pun, by the way. But you guys are awesome, and uh, growth is one of the most important parts of a church, and it's it's amazing watching it. So, uh, first, I'd like to give thanks to my uh, pastor for trusting in me, <laughs> uh, having faith in me, and uh, second to my wife. Uh, she's amazing. She's uh, my support, my backbone. Husbands, your wife is a blessing. I've kind of learned that pretty slow being one year into marriage, but man, we're all along for the ride, so. (laughs) If you would, uh, turn your Bibles to Numbers 13, chapter 25. Uh, Sound sounds amazing tonight. Good job, Gabby and Brother Craig. Awesome. Uh, This message uh, has kind of been weighing on me for a decent part of probably four, five, six months. Uh, kind of started one day when I was listening to preaching and uh, the preacher had said something that kind of stuck with me and I really hope it sticks with you tonight. So, Numbers chapter 13 verse 25 says, And they returned from searching of the land after 40 days and they went and came to Moses and to Aaron and to all the congregation of the children of Israel unto the wilderness of Paran to Kadesh and brought back word unto them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told him and said, We came unto the land whither thou sentest us, and surely it floweth with milk and honey, and this is the fruit of it. Nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land, and the cities are walled and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, and the Hittites, and the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwelt by the sea and by the coast of Jordan. And Caleb stilled the people before Moses. People were in an uproar, terrified. They finally got to the promised land that God promised them, and it's filled with giants. And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. But the men that went up with him said, the ten that came back with a bad report, other than Joshua and Caleb, we be not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they brought up an evil report of the land, which they had searched unto the children of Israel, saying, the land through which we have gone to search it is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof. And all the people that we saw in it are men of great stature. And there we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, which come of the giants, and we were in our own sights as grasshoppers. And so we are in their sight. So we are here even now in the beginning. Oh, I'm sorry. Amen. You may be seated. Got carried away in my notes. I'm going to try my best. I brought like nine pages. I feel like that's not enough, but. I'll, I, it's very humbling being up here. I'll, I'll try not to preach long. I'll, that's funny. I've always wanted to say that. <laughs> Uh, so we're here now in the beginning in the development of the uh, nation of Israel. Uh, I want to get started on real quick. The saying that I heard that kind of s- sparked this message inside me that God gave to me, uh, the two most powerful forces in this world is peer pressure and the conviction of God. Yeah. Yeah. So <clears throat> keep that in mind. Uh, peer pressure is described as a feeling that one must do the same things as other peoples of one's age and social group in order to be liked or respected by them. Uh, there's a lot of facts about peer pressure, and I have a couple for you tonight that are pretty staggering. 
Uh, 85% of high school students have felt peer pressure. Uh, among high school students, peer pressure is pretty common. Uh, say they have felt it in some form or fashion. 28% of kids say that giving up to peer pressure helps move up the social ladder. So conforming to a certain degree. We all know what the Bible says about conforming. Uh, just try to give you kind of an insight of how peer pressure works if you don't understand. Uh, there was an experiment. Uh, it's called the Ash Conformity Experiment. It was a series of psychological experiments conducted by Solomon Ash in the 1950s to investigate how social pressure from a majority group could influence an individual to conform. In the experiments, groups of participants were asked to match the length of lines on cards, a task with an obvious answer. In the experiment, there was eight participants uh, seven of which were paid actors and one naive student. Uh, the teacher would put two cards on the desk, one with one line and the other card had three lines, each varying different lengths. Uh, one short, one long, and one the exact same as the one on the other card. Uh, one by one, each paid actor stood up and convincingly said that the shorter line was equal to the first line. And they, this, this kind of made me stop and think for a second. Because they said they found out that one-third of the naive participants would deny their own eyes to fit in with the group. Ash found that people were willing to ignore reality and give an incorrect answer to, in order to conform to the rest of the group. So, peer pressure is a very real thing. Uh, when I was younger... Uh, say that and I'm 24. <laughs> Man, that makes you feel old and that makes me feel happy. My jokes are for me, they're not for you. <laughs> so when I was younger, I always was under the, uh, the impression that I never had a testimony. Oh, come on. And uh, how and very true that was. Well, you started, uh, I was born and raised in church uh, from the age of, well, zero to 18 years, 18 years and five months, I think, exactly, uh, born and raised by very God-fearing, loving parents, uh, great people of God, you should get to know them, uh, <laughs> you want a hug, <laughs> you start crying, so I always thought I didn't have a testimony, someone being raised in church, and, um, uh, When you don't have a relationship with God, uh, life becomes very difficult. Yeah. Yeah. And right. especially when you're around that age. Yeah. Right. Wow. You start hitting that age where, you know, life is more, I don't know the word for it, open. Uh, you have more decisions to make. You're your own person. Uh, we each have an identity in God. And make sure you don't ever lose your identity. I must have touched the button. My bad. But, uh, like I said, there's two most powerful forces in this world are peer pressure and conviction. So I'm going to give you kind of a rundown of some conviction. Uh, give you some context really quick where we're at. Uh, we're going to turn to 1 Samuel chapter 17, uh, verse 31. 
give you some context. David is meeting with Saul, advocating that he let him fight Goliath of Gath. I thought Pastor was going to preach on this Sunday. Thankfully, he skipped over what I had in mind. Because <laughs> I was not ready. Uh, verse 31, And when the words were heard which David spake, they rehearsed them before Saul, and he sent for him. And David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Thy servant will go and fight with this Philistine. I want you to think and ponder on what he said there. Let no man's heart fail because of him. And Saul said to David, Thou art not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for thou art but a youth, and he a man of war from his youth. And David said unto Saul, Thy servant keep his father's sheep. And there came a lion and a bear and took a lamb out of the flock. And I went out after him and smote him and delivered him out of his mouth. When he rose against me, I caught him by his beard and smote him and slew him. Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be one of them, seeing that he hath defied the armies of the living God. Uh, David is not just some random Joe in the Bible. Uh, The name David is mentioned 1,100 times in the Bible. Uh, The second closest person is the father of Israel, Abraham, and that's at 292. That's also counting his name Abram before God changed it to Abraham. So when we're kind of here back in this, uh, in the scripture, we go back to 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 31. David's kind of taken back of how Israel has responded to this, uh, this Philistine called Goliath, who he doesn't name. Uh, he thought that when there was war and battle, there was a certain amount of fighting that would uh, be going on. Uh, nevertheless, when he walked into was just the very opposite. Uh, <clears throat> he walked into cowering and hiding and frightened faces of battle-hardened soldiers. And so you would think that when you go back to First uh, Samuel chapter 17, verse 25, and the men of Israel said, Have you seen this man that has come up surely to defy Israel? And he's come up, and it shall be that the man who killeth him, the king will enrich him with great riches, and will be give him his daughter, and make his father's house free in Israel. But you see, there's something a little different about David, and something a little bit different about Caleb that we were talking about in the previous scripture. They both had different types of bearing when it came to traditional men of God and people of Israel. So whereas the men of Israel, the, the soldiers saw that, Goliath was defying Israel. Uh, David saw it a little different. You say, if you look closely at verse 25, the men of Israel referred to the giants as the giant as defying the armies of Israel, whereas David said that he was defying the armies of the Lord. He had something, different little viewpoint, little perspective, little conviction of God. That this giant isn't just standing up to Israel, he's standing up to my Lord. So I'm advocating for you tonight to get some conviction in your heart. We read in verse 28, right before we started reading the chapter, his brother Eliab uh, approaches David. And Eliab, his eldest brother, heard when he spake unto the men, and Eliab's anger was kindled against David. And he said, Why camest thou down hither, and with whom hast thou left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know thy pride and the naughtiness of thine heart, for thou art come down to thy mightiest to see the battle. Even here, we see peer pressure in its finest, uh, trying David's conviction of God, his big bro picking up on little bro, and that's what it is. Uh, 
So my title tonight, and I forgot to share it with you in the beginning, is the uh, the undenying heart. All right. So, uh, and Strong's uh, Concord from a compound. Uh, well, conviction means a uh, a concretely essence or abstractly assurance. Assurance kind of coincides synonymous with uh, a conviction. A conviction is also most commonly referred to as faith in the Bible. Uh, conviction means an idea that is believed to be true or valid without positive knowledge. Uh, we see in uh, Acts chapter 2, verse 37, I never notice this. Uh, we kind of skip over a lot of that when we think of Acts 2.38, very common and famous scripture uh, for the plan of salvation. And they said in Acts chapter 2, verse 37, now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? And again, going back to there, they were pricked in their heart. There's something a little different when you have conviction and faith. There's a little bit pause when certain things happen. And so that's what David was experiencing, and that's what Caleb was experiencing he was watching the hearts of men, battle-hard men, melt in front of this giant. Uh, so, <clears throat> something I, uh, well, we'll, actually, we'll get back to that, my bad. Joshua chapter 14, and uh, verse 6, Then the children of Judah came unto Joshua and Gilgal, and Caleb the son of Jephunneh, the Kenzanite, said unto him, Thou knowest the thing that the Lord said unto Moses, the man of God, concerning me and thee in Kadesh Barnea. Forty years old was I when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh, Kadesh Barnea to espy out the land, and I brought him word again, and it was in mine heart. Nevertheless, my brethren that went up with me made the heart of the people melt, but I wholly followed the Lord my God. So like I said, Caleb had just a different bearing. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to be pressured by this world. The Bible says, be ye not conformed. I don't want to be pushed and pulled, manipulated and influenced. I had to go back and listen to a message pastor preached. I think it was November 7th, uh, the power of this. No, a word you can trust. And we were talking about a lot of how the world works nowadays when it comes to social media and influencers and they're not looking out for you they don't understand the kingdom of God they don't understand that you know a lot a lot of social media it's more unlikely it's more young adults and teenagers people that are very vulnerable stages of life uh, that was me so when I uh, when I backslid uh, and it took me a while, but well, it actually took me the better part of five to six years to realize why I backslid. And uh, I was ultimately looking for a relationship with God because I didn't have my, one of my own. Yeah. And I, I feel so strongly about that. I told a, uh, a young man um, here in this church, I felt pushed, more pressed upon by God to let this man, young man know that it doesn't matter who your parents are. It doesn't matter who, how big they are in God, how strong they are, how much they pray. Because if you don't have a relationship with God, 
nothing matters. So here and see in Numbers chapter 24, verse 23, Surely they shall not see the land which I swear unto their fathers, neither shall any of them that provoked me see it. But my servant Caleb, because he had another spirit within him, hath followed me fully. Him will I bring into the land whereunto he went, and his seed shall possess it. <clears throat> Psalms 23, uh, The Lord is my shepherd, and I shall not want maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He lighteth me beside still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me into the patches, paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yet, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will feel no evil. For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff comfort me. Amen. Thou preparest a table for me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Yeah. Amen. So we, we, Brother Isaiah knows how much I love that song we sung uh, tonight. Uh, even when I was younger, uh, there's just something about that song about wrap me in your arms. And when it came to my, my testimony, not having a a relationship with God. Uh, I never knew. I was so blinded and so deafened out by sin and the world that I never understood why I really wanted to leave. I know I wanted a relationship. And I found it in the wrong place. But thank God he fixed that. But uh, it ultimately caused me to backslide because I didn't have... A relationship with him and I let this world pressure me I always was very egotistical of not being able to be influenced I really was yeah thank you and uh, it's uh it's very humbling because I was in here Monday morning uh, praying and I it came to me why I like that song so much because you read about David about where he learned his conviction of God. How it all started when he was a shepherd and he was in that secret place. Right. And that Lord wrapped him in his arms. That's, right. That's all I ever wanted. I want God, I pray all the time. I pray that God can gives me a spirit of conviction. That if he needs to, I, need, I want him to shatter me into pieces. Hold me close and put me back together. A little bit of a something I left out, the story I told you earlier about that social experiment. Uh, they found out that if only only one of the seven paid actors uh, objected with the other six, that that 30% rate of naive students agreeing and conforming went down to a staggering 5%. So putting this into a godly aspect, we... Uh, me and my wife ran into a, an issue, uh, and a young lady had came to us in this church, and I had brought us this issue, and <clears throat> that young lady being full of the conviction of God and having a true relationship with him, the world will try to tell you that snitches get stitches, and it, that, doesn't work in, that doesn't work in the kingdom of God, because we're, 
the ultimate goal is to make it to heaven. And so she came to us because she cared about that young lady's soul. And if you don't have conviction of God and stand up for what you know and what you believe, you can affect the very world around you. I missed my spot. Here we go. No, I missed it again. What'd you say? So when I came back to church, a lot of you probably don't know this. Uh, I didn't come back because I realized what I was missing out on. I actually came back with my wife. Uh, she realized it before I did. And uh, I just want to let you know, don't let, God, God's funny in a type of way. Uh, he's really showed me how funny it is. There was one time where I was praying. Uh, it was actually during that message. Uh, <clears throat> and uh, pastor preached a message about a word you can trust. Uh, and I asked God to speak unto me and give me direction. And uh, I sat there for a second. Uh, God has never spoken to me before this point in time, which is kind of disheartening to think about. Uh, but, well, my station probably was acceptable. But anyways, uh, as I sat there and I was silently waiting, just like a still silence, and I, I got up and kind of defeated a little bit, and I looked up, and right in front of me, there was a Bible. And uh, that was the very first time God ever spoke to me. That Bible was not there when I went to go to the altar. Uh, so that was one of the most like monumental things that happened to me. And the growth that I've had. And as I was saying about my testimony, all I really wanted was a relationship with God. And I think it's so important that we meet with him in that secret place. And you can all stand if you want. <clears throat> it's so environmentally important. And I, I really advocate this for more of the younger people, not so much the older people. That you really get a relationship with God. And you really learn how to pray. Because your parents aren't going to do it for you. And I'm living proof of that. And by the grace of God, I'm back. And I learned. Like I said, when I realized why I loved that song so much, it was something I was ever just always searching for, never knowing. And, you know, that made me laugh and cry for so long on Monday. Uh, that song is beautiful because when it's, when it gets down to the nitty-gritty between you and him, that's really all that ever matters. That's right. That's right. And I've watched, I've watched God transform our family uh, this past year, spiritually and financially and all that. He's been really great to us.
It's not always easy living for God. Especially as an adult, I've learned that pretty quickly. Because when I left when I was a young teenager, and when I say God has really blessed us financially, uh, we have no money half the time. (laughs) I'm serious. Uh, But somehow things work. And I'm, me and my wife are in the middle of purchasing a possibly lucrative business deal for our end. Not so much for the sucker on the other end. (laughs) But I'm ready for God to work and move in our life. And I'm ready ready for him to work in yours. Because there's something different about those men in the Bible. They had their own convictions and they had their own secret places where they learned when the master can wrap me in his arms shatter me piece me piece by piece don't let this world press you in don't let it push you to make decisions that aren't your own don't conform be that one that objects change the world around you. You're not going to make it on your own. Parents are going to do it for you. Like I said, my my parents are unbelievable people of God. Everyone will tell you that. They're great. I spend most of my entire life here at church. It wasn't even in service half the time. We were building every day. I tell people all the time when I was young, I ran through that air duct going above me. I'm serious. I was very young, and I, I spent all of my days here. But it didn't matter what it came down to because I didn't have a relationship with God. So this altar's open. If you want that conviction of God in your life, and you want Him to fill you with, wrap you in His arms, He's here right now. If He wants you and He loves you, He wants to have a relationship.